The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by Point Park University. This is the newest edition of the Scoop Podcast presented by Point Park University. Thanks for clicking on us wherever you may have. iTunes, SoundCloud, all over the internet. Alongside Penn's Inside Scoop, Sam Kassan. I am Josh Getzoff. Great to be back with you. And uh, Sam, great conversation we had on this episode of the Scoop Podcast. A chance to talk with Penguins defenseman Chris Letang and former Penguin and Hockey Hall of Famer Paul Coffey. Yeah, and it was amazing the way it all came together. And, and the timing couldn't have been better because you had Chris Letang, who just passed Coffey, for the all-time points leader among defensemen in the Penguins organization, a historical moment for the organization. And then we happened to be on a road trip in Toronto, and lo and behold, Paul Coffey lives in Toronto. So when we reached out to Paul to see if he would do it, you know, he loves Chris Tang genuinely as a player, as a person. There's a great mutual respect between the two. And so Paul Coffey was all about doing it. And then obviously when we asked Chris Tang, he idolized Paul Coffey. He was almost giddy. You know, it's kind of funny when you see a guy who's 30 years old, 31 years old, giddy about – doing anything media related <laughs> but you could see the, the sparkle in his eye when we talked about getting him together with paul and just talking hockey and he was very excited about it It was really awesome the way it all came together so here is that interview the latest on the scoop podcast with tanger and the doctor you choose four years talking about the real world or four years immersed in it after a hands-on career-focused education point park graduates enter the workforce prepared to succeed professionally designed that's the point point park university downtown pittsburgh pointpark.edu. Let's first start with the big thing that's been on everyone's mind since Chris Letang overtook your record, Paul, a couple weeks ago. Uh, most points by a Penguins defenseman in franchise history. The reaction from both of you. We can start with you, Tanger. Uh, just <laughs> taking over this guy's mark for you. Uh, the mark he did in three years? How was it going to I mean, uh, just to have my name next to Paul is just... Uh, it's just crazy. It's surreal. Like I, I just remember being a kid trying to um, play hockey and get to the NHL, and now I have my name next to his. Um, but uh, it, it took me a long time. Uh, obviously, Paul was a, an idol of mine. Uh, watching him skate was the like the, the ultimate thing. So um, to have my name next to him, I'm just uh, it's just surreal. It's I can't I can't believe it. Well, records are records are made to be broken. I couldn't be any any prouder than having a guy like Chris take my record over. And I think that uh, to accumulate the amount of points and goals that he did is a sign of consistency and a sign of being a great pro. And you know, I know Chris. The first time I saw him play, your first year was when oh six oh seven. See, I knew that. I was just testing you. <laughs> but I was sitting up there, and I came into Pittsburgh. Um, they did a thing for the Penguin Hall of Fame, whatever it was, and I was up in the old igloo up in the press box, and I was with Bobby Urie, and we are sitting there watching the game, and I went, who's that 58 out there? I still remember it. The second period, puck was uh, right of your net. You kind of picked the puck up, and you made your, your pat and great play and just compete, and I said, who's that 58? He goes, that's uh, Chris Letang. I said, where'd you get him? Got him in the draft. I said, that's a good player. So anyway, I've, uh, I've had a ton of respect for him, met him, met him over the years a lot. Had some real good conversations. And as I said last week, the most important thing for me, because this is what, what I was like, I love the game and I love the guys that played before me and I respect everybody that played before me. And I found that with Chris and uh, I couldn't be any happier. And, you know, he's 31 years old. He's got lots of uh, lots of runway left. <laughs> he's a great player, plays hard, works hard, and there's going to be a lot more great things for him and the Penguins fans uh, moving forward. Yeah, you kind of mentioned that. I remember we spoke a couple of years ago about the first time you saw Chris play. Do you remember the first time you guys met and interacted? 
Well, I actually, I actually had to find him because my <laughs> wife, my wife had a crush on him. So oh, wow. every time I went to Pittsburgh, it was like, get a picture with Latang, get a picture with Latang. Uh, first time we met, I don't know. There's been a, a lot of great meetings for me personally, whether it be yeah. up in the box, whether it be at the fantasy camp on the yeah. benches, this and that. Yeah, we had. I think the first time was um, in the box. Yeah. At Mario, I was injured. Yep. Yes, and, yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah, I remember. I took a I took a picture because I was <laughs> excited also, and um, uh, yeah, I remember. And it, they were all great conversation. I remember like couple conversation we had the practice rink in Toronto also. Yep. Yeah, I came um, down when uh, when talk was here, and and it's fun. It's 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 fun for for a guy like me to have a different opinion, a different eye, you know, um, guy with that much experience. Uh, to to tell me different things and sometimes you're like you're questioning yourself you're not like you're not playing the way you want and um, he, he talks to you he, he gets uh, he gets you right on the on the right path so it's fun to have all of famer that kind of uh, look out for you well we I mean I guess the other thing I keep looking at your 58 and I can't believe I didn't mention it right away but that's uh my son is going to Hobart College, a D3 school in upstate New York, and he's wearing 58. <laughs> so there you go. I said, I said yeah. to him, 77? Seven? <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I'm wearing 58, which is a funny story. We're in a box in uh, Edmonton a few years ago, and we were watching a game with Wayne, and his young son came into the dressing room and says, Dad, or under the box, Dad, Dad, I want to get a sweater. Son, Blake, or Wayne's like, yeah, go get one. He said, should I get 97 or 99? Wayne says, you want to ride home? The <laughs> <laughs> so kid came back with a 99. But, you know, we, our, our, our styles, our, our, our play, the guys we play with, somewhat parallel. And I was in the uh, Penguin locker room a couple of years ago, actually, in the coach's office when Rick Talk was part of the team and kind of was during the Stanley Cup run. And uh, Talk nothing but respect for you and certain guys because you guys could talk and Rick's that type of guy I mean yeah. me and him are really good buddies cut out of the same mold and I remember we, me and Rick were having a conversation and Chris come come into the room and he was kind of the animated on the board and the whole bit and I just kind of sat back and I because I was interested I wanted to watch the coach player relationships and Rick was kind of going back and, and telling Chris this and that and, and then Rick says to me Paul what do you think and I went so I, I, I gave him my opinion, which Chris is talking about. And, you know, I played with arguably the two greatest players of all time and Wayne and Mario. And I was mentioning to Chris, you know, you got Gino and you got Sid, two unbelievable great players in their own right. And they can be easy to play with or hard to play with. But when you're the top on the power play or you're the general out there, so to speak, you've got to be in control. And I said, I said, what I see is you're getting the puck and you're having to get it back to Sid, or you're having to get it to Gino, which the puck probably came from then to start with. So I was trying to just get to Chris. I said, not to step out of bounds, but I said, you got to take a little bit more of a leadership role back there, get that puck to the net. Because if the puck comes from you to Sid, you take a shot, Kessel puts in a rebound, everybody's happy. So don't keep getting it back, be a bit of leader yeah. on top. And I think you've you've started to do that. Um, shoot the puck and be, yeah. be a good leader no, back there. Sometimes like you, you get kind of like uh, you got pressure because these guys obviously are tough end and no, but the beauty is I see you guys when I watch the games on TV going at it with each other too, which is good <laughs> yeah, which is healthy that, I don't yeah. care what anybody says oh, players yeah. players demanding the best out of each other and pushing each other is there's yeah. only one winner and that's a team I heard yeah. some legendary stories from the early 90s Penguins teams that really got after it on the bench particularly Artie Kevin Stevens oh Artie guys. was the best <laughs> there was only there was only one guy that could stand up and say look at a player and go you like it here and that'd be Mario. 
If somebody talked a little too much, get out of line, Mary would stand up. You like it here? Keep quiet. <laughs> <laughs> or, you, or you won't be here. But Artie was the same way. I mean, when I came to the Penguins in 87, 88, after a, a great career in Edmonton and arguably playing on, on the best team of that era and then came to Pittsburgh and I remember the guys in Edmonton were saying, well, you're never going to win again and why are you going to Pittsburgh? And I went, uh-uh. I just played Canada Cup with, with the next one coming up yeah. and don't sell Lemieux short, right? And I went there and it was it was absolutely incredible. And then, you know, with Mario, Mario was a very quiet kid then. Led, carried a big stick, led by example, but once he came into more of a vocal leadership role, there was no there was no turning back. And then when we got Kevin, you yeah. met Kevin, I mean, Artie's the best, best teammate ever. Do you see a lot of parallels between that, that early 90s team, the mm -hmm. potential that they had? You got there obviously in the late 80s, but also with Chris and the way Sid was coming up, Gino was coming up. 100%. You know, flurry. Yeah, similar yeah. stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, just Kevin, he'd sit in the bench and he'd, if he missed two or three shifts, you got to be kidding me. My feet are freezing. Am I ever <laughs> going to get out there? <laughs> you look at the coach and start yeah. yelling. But, you know, it's, it's, it's to be a championship team is hard. Real hard. I don't care if you got six Latangs and six Sids. If you if you don't gel as a team, it will not happen. And that's the important thing yeah. with you guys, which has been, you know, they talk about uh, dynasties. I mean, the, the four and five cups in a row is never going to happen again because the league is too good. But to win two in a row, yeah. to me, that's a, that's a modern day dynasty. What about three out of four? And you're not done yet. Yeah. Three out of four, and you're yeah. not done yet. Yeah, yeah no, we'll stay. You guys they, aren't done yet. Yeah. Because yes. one one thing about the Penguins, they get in the playoffs. Team to beat. Yeah, yeah. No, we got the experience, obviously, and and, and the group of guys. Like every year, that I, I get the question, um, like, do you think you have a chance? And I'm pretty sure it was the same thing back in the day. You have a lineup with Paul, Jagger, and uh, Mario. You right. you have a chance. You just uh, have to execute, go out there, get the team all together on the same page, and everything can happen. And that's the same thing for us. You think with all the talent out there today, when teams go into the postseason and they talk about having been there and done that like your group has and like your group did, and obviously the success you guys have had, that that does make it kind of on a different level when you play some of these younger teams, for example, like a Toronto or something that's coming in and trying to prove themselves in the playoffs? Does it give you an upper hand? Well, experience counts. Yeah. It counts, but it can, it can, it can work both ways. Yeah. Because whether you've got experience or not, if you get behind the eight ball, that's when the experience really takes over. Yeah. Just relax. We know what we're doing here. That's where it really takes over. But you winning, winning. But how do you get experience? You play. Yeah. You have to win. Unfortunately, you have to lose yeah. to get it to get that gut check. And you know, people ask me all the time, "What's the biggest thing I miss about playing?" And it's not the camaraderie, the dressing room. I mean, it's awesome. But I've got friends. I got mm -hmm. off ice stuff that it, you know, guys that. Don't don't take the ribbing quite like the hockey guys do. But the biggest thing you miss in hockey when you retire is the emotion, yeah. the winning and the losing, and the experience. And you know, I'm sure these guys can look around the dressing room any particular night, tonight, playing in Toronto, playing a good hockey club, an up and coming hockey team. You know, I, I say all the time. You know, you talk about Connor, you talk about Austin. You know, they still got to go through one door, and that's Sid's door. You know, Sid's the best player in the game till knocked off. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not measured on points and assists yeah. and all that. Everybody gets older, but I'll tell you one thing right now, Crosby coming in here tonight to play the Leafs. Oh yeah, that's oh, gonna yeah. be a good one. Nothing <laughs> needs to be said, Yeah. right? Nothing needs to be said with you. Yeah. Nothing needs to be said.
Do you feel like you still have to prove? I mean, you have all these young guys, the Connors and Austin Matthews. You still like, hey, we're still here, you know? We're still yeah, here. boy, you, you feel like, you, you feel that now everybody's watching the, those young guys coming up and those teams that are building up from scratch, pretty much, the, from their draft. And you're kind of like, you don't hear about the Penguins and you're like, oh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Which is, look at the gleam. Yeah. Look yeah. at the gleam in his eye. That's, that's the key. And you're, you're talking about, do you feel you have to prove? For sure you do. Yeah. That's a, you're only as good as your last shift. Forget your last game. Yeah. That's just the way the sport is. But it, you can see the competitiveness in his eyes, and I'm sure it's in that dressing room. And that's what makes it. We mentioned the point production with you guys as far as your careers are concerned. I was curious what your thoughts were on the, the evolution of a defenseman, because Sam and I were talking about it on the way <laughs> here. We had your kind of style defenseman in you know, the late 80s, early 90s, and then kind of that lumber <coughs> tree type of defenseman, pre-lockout, right out of the lockout, and then Tanger, you're more of the speed, puck-moving defenseman that's kind of become the norm today. How have you guys seen that change, I guess really over the last couple of decades, even the last three, to evolutionize to what it is right now? Well, I've, I've seen it like, because I was my draft was the lockout year. Right. Um, going to the lockout that you were looking at the, the D were getting drafted first round it was like all like 6'4 like 6'3 big guys right. and you're like I'm gonna fall like white behind and um, they announced that the league's going to change and there will be more no more obstruction no more uh, hooking stuff like that yeah. they're like okay they might take chances but you you still like it, it's tough to turn the page and just go from there and um, it kind of Gradually in the draft, you saw like my year. They took chance bottom of the first on the on couple like scale guys, and after that you saw all the smaller D and faster guys. And after that, years after years, they start taking smaller guys and speed guys. So uh, it's yeah. But there's nobody that skated like him. Yeah. So <laughs> back in the no, day, they had only one choice, and that's it. That was Paul. So. Yeah. To to me, and it's not because we play that position, it is the hardest position to play. I don't care about the era. A guy like Chris can play in any era because he can skate. A guy like me, I think, can play in any era because he can skate. I think the way the game is now, um, yeah, you got to be able to skate. And it's harder to be a defenseman because there's 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 no help anymore. You, you can't even touch a guy in front of your yeah. own net. You're going to get a penalty. You can't kick a guy's laces to try to get him off balance. You're going to get a penalty. So it's still a tough position to play but you really have to skate. In my era, and the guys all can skate now. Oh, it's yeah. incredible. In, in my era, you had the, the, you know, the third or fourth line coming down on you. It, on a four check, you just give them a little fake and all you hear is a splat. <laughs> the guy ran into the boards. <laughs> now you give the guy a fake, all you hear is him heavy breathing. Yeah, He's yeah. still coming. I mean, yeah. the game is big, fast, but it's it's really a, uh, you gotta be able to move. Yeah. and. Again, it doesn't matter the area. Your first pass is your best pass. You've got to move the puck. And the guys that move the puck better and the guys that move the puck at the right time are the guys that succeed. Hockey is always the same game. so It doesn't, it doesn't change. Yeah. I mean, components change. Coaching is, you know, you can call it better. You can call it every. They, they just have everything. Yeah. I mean, there's, no, there's nowhere hiding now. I mean, everybody knows your power play. Everybody yeah. knows your penalty kill. You know, I was speaking with Connor last year. You know, a great kid, like phenomenal kid, and just listen to his quotes and everything. And you know, you're saying last year that it, it's getting hard out there. And I said, well, that I said they were adjusting to you, so now you got to adjust to them. Yeah. And yeah. and the game never changes. You got to know who you're playing against all the time. You got to think with film now. You guys can see everybody play back in the day, unless you 
we're up close and we don't even that we just <laughs> we just finished half hour video about just just their power play just their <coughs> pks and tonight we'll talk about their five on five game so and that's every game right it, exactly right. so like they know that we're going to pay attention to different things so they have to find out what we're going to leave open you know they're going to same for us we have to go out there like they they everybody plays a different way but um we're supposed to go out there and be ready to execute a game plan to beat what they're going to show us. So it gives you an advantage for, and for top players like Connor and Sid, like they, they all have a plan for him. They, they're going to put a guy, they're going to make sure that he doesn't get the puck with speed. Like you saw Connor last, yep. even last, like two nights ago, he, even if you give him a little bit of room, he's gone. So yeah, you have to, you have to watch some videos, like see where he likes to get the puck, where you can disrupt his flow, stuff like that. But you, but you, hundred, hundred percent. But you still, and the good ones do, and the great ones do it better. They improvise. Yeah. yeah. See, how, how, yeah. how much can you really plan? I mean, I feel like. Well, you can you can have your game plan all yeah. you want, but it only works if the other team lets yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not doing what we thought. Okay. Well, guess what? You better have three or yeah. four other plays in your head. Yeah. Right. And you talked about you guys have had conversations about your game in particular. What are some ways that Duke Paul's helped you or some advice that he's given you? You don't have to be specific, but. Well, it, I, I would say mentally. Mentally is the, the, the main thing we talk about because, like, like I know my strength. Like, I go out there, I'm, I'm going to use my skating. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make plays. Um, but it, it's when, you, like, like he talked about, like on the power play, I, I had the tendency to be like, okay, I have to give it to them. I have to make sure I give it to them. And he's like, no, just take ownership of it and shoot the puck, do what you do, like focus on doing the right plays and making the, the right thing instead of looking for somebody and forcing things. And it's when you start forcing things that it doesn't go your way. There's other good players out there. So um, it, the, me the mental aspect is, uh, is, is the main thing. And I think it, it plays a big role in hockey. It's, it doesn't matter who you are yeah. or how good you are. If you're not mentally strong, yeah. whether you've had a bad shift, whether you're, I mean, mentally, you just got to put everything behind you and try to make try to make the right plays. But be but be be a leader. I mean, you're yeah. you you are, you know, back there. Schultz is out, so you're getting a lot of the power play time, and you do when he's here anyway. But you're there for a reason, yeah. right? But it's a, it is such a mental game, and Sid will tell you that. I remember a couple of years ago. Went down and watched you guys practice at uh, Mastercard when Rick was still here, and you guys, you guys were, you guys were struggling, like really struggling. But I watched your practice, and I, I said to Rick after, I said, "Sid just works." He says, "Yeah, he doesn't matter. He hasn't scored in 20 games, or whatever. The lip is not down. Whatever he is working, yeah. working, working, and that's what the goods of the greats do. They're always working every single day and trying to get themselves better. Yeah. Sometimes you can't outthink yourself, but." Mental, mental part of the game is massive in sports. Yeah. You mentioned trying to get yourselves better in the off season. Without training has become such a big thing now, and we've all seen the videos of you, Chris, and all the workouts you do. What was it like back when you played, Paul, as far as uh, the training the off season? <laughs> was it anywhere near the same? No, but, but we thought it was. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I, I never, I, I used to go up north, have a, a cottage north of Toronto, and I had my boathouse, and I had, I got it from Pittsburgh, I had a UBE. You know, I had that, yeah. like Stairmaster. I one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Stairmaster, bike, bench press, and a curl bar. You know, and then, and then <laughs> the setups, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that was our core work. I mean, but 
You know, the key for me, and I learned it from one of my favorites growing up, uh, Larry Robinson. You know, I went to the Canada Cup in 1980. Uh, didn't make the team. I was only a kid, but it was such a great thing to watch. All these great players popped in at Robinson. And I was 19 or 20. Larry was 31. I'm like, how are you still playing? Like, you're so old, right? I didn't say it to him like that. And he said, man, I'm going to tell you right now, take care of your body. Your body will take care of you. Yeah. And don't start now. Don't start when you're 30, start now. So my philosophy was I just, I never got to, I mean, the key to staying in shape is never getting out of shape. I mean, you're not always going to be in game shape. You need to take some time, but whether it be go for a run, go for a swim, always keep your cardio up. and That's the key. But yeah. I mean, our training, these guys nowadays, it's like, I actually, I love it. Yeah. I, that's one thing I'm envious about is, is the stuff they do. Because we, we just didn't know. And everybody likes being in good shape. Yeah. God, it feels so good. You go up and down the ice, you're hitting, you're hitting, you're getting up the ice. It's there's nothing like being in great shape. But these uh it's it's pretty it's pretty great. It's never too late. Yeah. It is. Back in the gym. Well now what do you do now? Well I mean, we saw you skate at the stadium, so but, <laughs> we know you can still skate. Yeah. Well, well, just, never lose the all de all depends what game you're in. <laughs> you can always skate, it always depends on your opponents. But you know, in the other days, not the old days, the other days when you get on the bike and you know, it's like you get that burn in your legs and you just work through it. Now when I get the burn, I just get off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's too much work up yeah, out of here. This is crazy. That's, that's the time. That's over. true too. Well, yeah. You just you just get you just get lazy, but it's uh, you got to be in shape. Mm -hmm. no, you got to be in shape to play this game or play any sport. And the better shape you're in, helps you mentally, yeah. helps everything. Shoot the puck better, pass the puck better. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And how nice, Chris, is it to have somebody like. Paul to be able to bounce ideas off of you know there's, there's some teams I assume the alumni aren't around or accessible but well yeah they're like I've, I've met tons of uh, of players throughout but to have Paul like having thrown some idea especially he was like an idol of mine it's like, like I said earlier it's surreal it's like even have my name next to him even if I played 13 years and he played three for the Penguins <laughs> but 13 uh, great ones though that's uh, awesome man. But it, it's just, it's surreal. It, it's like, it's special. Everything he says, and I keep it, and I and I try to execute it and try to bring it with me. It's it's all things that I can learn from. And, um, but that that he has the, the time to talk to me, uh, give me like uh, different tips, it's just, it just shows how, how much a great uh, person Paul is also. So he was a great player, but even a better person. So. The, 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 the thing with advice, and I may mean, I tell anybody, you know, for the most part, hockey players, not to be disrespectful. Nobody's going to accuse a hockey player of flying a space shuttle or reinventing the <laughs> wheel or splitting the atom. We're, we're simple guys, right? Yeah. We're simple guys. And, and the question, like if Chris asked me a question, I'm going to go, oh, my God, what does he want to hear? Do I worry about hurting his feelings? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about telling him what I think. Now, if he dissects that and it works, that's good. If he doesn't, that's fine too, sure. right? And that's that's the way, that's just the way I've been. And for me personally, and I, I chatted about it earlier, there's nothing I couldn't be any happier for a guy like Chris because he respects the game, loves Pittsburgh, and respects the former player. To me, that's what it's all about. You'll find that out. You know, you're gonna retire with six, seven, eight, nine <laughs> cups and. <laughs> long time in the next 15 years when you retire and, and, and it means a lot that players because other guys will look at you like well it's, anyway it's all yeah. good <laughs> it's crazy to think that you were born in 1987 that was the year you joined 
the Penguins, and now everything's kind of come full circle. Jeez, I'm really old. Sorry, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to make no, that old. That's you <laughs> Luckily, you guys are far enough. No, no. Yeah. Uh, scary to think how fast time goes, but I'll tell you what. And you know, you're, 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 you're at the midpoint of your career, right? Yeah. Now it's going to get harder, physically. Uh, but the the biggest thing, the advice I can give you is what you already know because you talked about it, is your conditioning and mentally. Because yeah. it's like anything else. If you're at 31, you're going, man, I wish I was that smart when I was 19 or 20. But it doesn't work like that. No. Right. <laughs> but now you 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 just figure yeah. everything out a lot quicker, a lot smarter. You handle things with a little less stress, and you figure things out quicker. Small stuff doesn't bother you. And that's what's going to make you a great person yeah. and an athlete. It's interesting hearing you guys talk just from this perspective, the, the interaction, because it almost seems like a, a father to a son type of thing as far as how the advice comes across and, you know, keep working, it's all between the ears type of thing. It's interesting to hear, and it obviously it's had a pretty profound yeah. effect for both of you. Well, it is. Like for, like for me, like I do some stuff with the Oilers now, which I'm, I love that organization. I'm really proud to be a part of it. And you know, when I took that gig on last year, they're going like, well, you've been out of the game for a while. And I said, well, I haven't been out of the game. I might have been watching it from 40,000 feet up, but still the same. Still the same. Are the players bigger, faster, stronger? 100%. There are machines out there, but the game is still the same. Yeah. The mental part of the simplicity of it is just, just common sense. And the ones that do that better are the ones that will go on. You talk about having to adjust your game as you got older in your career. How did you adjust your game as... I never adjusted. I just kept giving her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get you get you get you get smarter. You know what you can do and what you can't do. And some games, I mean, as a defenseman, I'm sure Chris will attest to this. Maybe Will or won't. But those first couple of shifts, if you don't have that puck on your stick, you're like, oh man, it's gonna be one of these games. Oh, oh here same we go. feeling. Oh boy, right? Yeah. So then yeah. you just gotta adjust and you gotta let the game come to you. If the legs aren't there. You get up and back a couple of times. You get off. You just you just you get smarter not as reckless but those games are they're scary games but <laughs> you're just like oh man. So the first couple of shifts you kind of know yeah. you got it oh yeah if you're there and like I, I coach minor midget kids now but coach all the way up and I tell her and I, I, I don't understand this I do understand it but I don't understand it to me when I play I mean I obviously cared about the forwards but I just cared about my partner I always felt if we were in the game we're going to be good They'll get the puck. So, you know, my first pass was always to my partner, get him in the game back and then go. Unless, of course, Mario was open and you give yeah. it to him. But, <laughs> but, but you, you know, be, but yeah. the biggest thing about playing defense is getting yourselves going. Yeah. You and your D partner. Concentrating, talking all the time. But that part of the game, that'll never change. Yeah. You're going to be doing this 20 years from now, chatting to some young buck that's on the Penguins that's <laughs> doing great. And, and you, yeah. it, it, you're going to be going, yeah, it's, things, it, they don't change. Yeah. The discipline, and the one thing you can't do, and you know this, the hockey gods, you cannot cheat the game. You cheat the game, the game will get you. That puck back to your stick, it'll bounce over your stick. If you hadn't worked out, if you hadn't done the right things. If you do the right things out there, yeah. good things happen. Get caught up the ice, goalie stops the puck. It just, it's just the way it works. <laughs> I'm originally from Philadelphia. I don't know if you knew that, Tanger. So I didn't know that. Probably not talking to you. No. We've, kept it, we've kept it a secret. It's out there now, so I, I own it. But uh, funny story, this is uh, just between you and I. So uh, in 1997, when you were on the Flyers, my dad won tickets to go to the uh, Flyers Wives Fight for Lives carnival. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And part of the raffle was a picture with Paul Coffey and Michael Renberg. So I'm in second grade, very excited to, to meet you. You've heard all the things. You're like a larger than life figure to me. And I remember coming up and you got up from your chair and kind of put these up for me and you said, you want to drop them? <laughs> and I was so excited to meet you and I immediately turtled and went right behind my dad <laughs> and just hid there. Better, <laughs> so, better you than me. Yeah. Usually me doing the turtling. Uh, so that was, that was just a funny. funny moment that I remembered from way back. But it's interesting, you played for so many teams. I guess when you look at the Penguins, what, what made the Penguins a different organization for you, aside from the Stanley Cup? I loved, I loved my time in Pittsburgh, the first, I remember the first week I got there, was unreal. It's the honeymoon and we were, everything was rolling this and that. And then everything settled in that there, there needs to be some work here. Sometimes just the simple stuff. The end of the year, my first year, there was myself, Mario, Dan Frawley, Dan Quinn, and Randy Cunningworth. Took two trucks down to Youngstown, Ohio to see the DeBarlo family who used to own it. So we went in there on a cold, wet April day and. The, 49er flags are going the whole bit because they own the 49ers as well and kind of go in there and there's a pitcher of Montana throwing a pass or something some Super Bowl trophies and we kind of all went into a room <clears throat> Eddie Jr. came in and wanted to make the Penguins better just didn't know how or what we needed and everybody was pretty quiet and I said uh, I should kind of like this because I was a little bit nervous right Mr. Yeah. DeBartle the whole bit and I said Eddie or Mr. DeBartle I said I've just come from the San Francisco 49ers of the NHL. You know, fine-tuned machine, everything was just players first, pride, the whole bit. I said, we don't, I said, we don't have it here. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, the trainers. I mean, nobody's wearing shorts or black pants and a nice penguin golfer. We don't even know who anybody is. I said, our players used to come in the morning to get their skate sharpened, and it depends how many games you play, whether you got your skate sharpened or not. It was crazy. Oh it was just the whole, the whole pecking order, and he was like blown away. And I talked to Eddie about Eddie Johnson, and I said, in our, in our dress room. I said, it's, a dress room is a player's place. I said, maybe, just maybe pitchers above the stalls, or maybe, and I said, you're gonna probably laugh at me or say, what, uh, dude, what's that got to do with winning games? Maybe just garbage beside our room just something where we can take pride in our room because for whatever reason we don't have it right now so that summer the thing was blown up and it was almost the same dress room until the ego got torn yeah. down I said and he goes anything else I said yeah maybe if the odd shower head works to be good <laughs> <laughs> just just anything right to get pride you know what it's like when you walk yeah. in the dress room yeah. I mean it's oh, your yeah. place I mean guys will keep it clean a whole bit and then but I loved it there but the hidden the hidden thing and it's easy to say but it's true was was Mario and he I watched him that summer sit there in his in his stall and just be doing his stuff up but always watching Wayne watch what Wayne does wanting to be that kind of guy which was Wayne was the same thing with Guy Lafleur I remember we were talking about uh, 81 training camp I had when I was talking about my Larry story and I was sitting there and it's August you know Montreal is like in August it's hot as heck so we're sitting there and a bunch of us are getting dressed and we watch Guy Lafleur take everything off kept this on go to the bathroom I watch him shave. I go, wow, I guess that's how you get 50 goals. <laughs> you got to shave with your stuff off. But I remember asking him, getting the guy, I said, I said yeah, why are you shaving? He goes, you know, you come off the ice, your face is hot. It's good. Didn't have steamers yeah, and stuff yeah. back then, right? My flower story. But, but Wayne watched Guy. Mario watched Wayne. And we all knew that, uh, and actually my first, uh, Mario had Gus Bedali, was his agent, same guy that myself and Wayne had. We were playing in the form and, 
83 or 84, whatever it was, and Mario was playing junior. Me and Wayne and Gus went to watch his game. Was it Verdun? Uh, Laval. Laval, yeah. So Laval oh. went this little rink, and Mario's team won 11-6, and he got 6-4 and four or 6-5, and five, whatever it was. <laughs> and he came out of the, yeah. we still laugh about me and Mario. He came out of the dressing room, and he kind of had to lean down and just said hi to us. And, you know, pleasantries, that was it. And then we left. And I said, uh, I remember walking away, and I said to Wayne, not bad. Huh? He said, yeah, it's a pretty good game. I said, do you think he can do it at this level? Wayne goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> he just knew. And it was, uh, it was fun seeing those teams and that organization. The one thing about Pittsburgh, the town, was always passion. My next year yeah. at training camp, there's like 6,000 people watching our camp. Like, what the heck's going on here? It's unbelievable, yeah. right? Because prior to that, my first five years in the league, we'd go to Pittsburgh, of course, with Wayne. You'd sell out every building. But it was just the ice would be terrible. There'd be yeah. cement showing through the penalty box. But great, great, yeah. great place to play. And it just got better. And one of the reasons is, you know, Mario stayed involved. Everything is constant there. Everything is calm. You know, you guys are playing in Nashville a couple of years ago. And uh, you won the first two at home, and then you went to Nashville. And it wasn't pretty. No, it was not. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest, right? I'm sitting there in the morning, and I went down, and Talk was there, and, and actually Rex was there. and. I was with a couple of buddies, and I'm like, fuck, talk, you guys, this is it's not good, right? Yeah. And then uh, he goes, yeah, what do you think we can do better? And the first thing I said, well, you can't let Subban stop behind the net. So you can't skate. Why do you give him so much respect? Start flushing him out and get your team going, blah, blah, blah. So that was all I said. And then Mario comes down, and it's just like, it's like John Wayne walking in. It's all good. We're all good, boys. <laughs> Relax. Right? It's just, it's just nice, calm about it. And yeah. then you guys beat yeah. them at home pretty good. Yeah. And then you won the next one in Nashville. Yeah. But that's the calming influence that he brings to the organization is, is, is steady. The true value of a college education is realized after you graduate. Point Park is an affordable private university that's big on return for your investment. When you're prepared, success comes naturally. Surprisingly affordable, that's the point. Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh. So there it is, Chris Letang, Paul Coffey, latest interview in our Scoop podcast, and what a fun time that was. Yeah, that was awesome, and you know, one of the most, so much stuff to take away from that too, incredible insight from both sides, but the one that really stood out to me was that when they were discussing the advice that Chris Letang has gotten from Paul throughout the years, and the one thing he kind of hammered on again in that in that uh, podcast, or in this podcast, was they were talking about the power play, and Chris Letang, he's like, you know, you got to be a leader when you are the quarterback. You are the leader. And I know Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, they're the big boys. They want the puck, and you got to feed them the puck. I mean, that's part of the duties. But at some point, too, you, you got to just put your head up, fire it on net, and maybe get a rebound. Kessel pops in. You've got a goal, and everybody's happy. You know, I, th I think he told him you need to be more of an assertive role, you know, be assertive, be a leader back there. And so we did that podcast, that recorded version, the uh, interview, the morning before the game against Toronto. So – Gives them the advice, you know, you got to get out there and shoot it and be aggressive and be a leader. That night, Chris Letang puts up a game-high six shots on goal. And you got to think that, you know, Paul Coffey's advice was in his brain when he went out there against the Leafs. And, and you saw it even – he ended up with six shots on goal, but there were a couple times that it was a block and a miss. And sure. So he put the puck a lot on net, and you could see that concerted effort to try and do that and, and to make those plays. And, and you got to think – you know, it was really cool to see the advice – from the legend to the protege, then the protege taking that advice, putting it into action. And then, of course, I mean, you get it's an empty net goal, but, hey, they all count, right? So he gets the empty net goal, which happens to be, congratulations to Chris Letang, his 100th career goal. So 
just a lot of good things coming together. And like I said, I think it was really cool to see Chris take the advice, put it into action, and then get rewarded for that. Yeah, and to your point, I mentioned this on our broadcast when Phil Bork and I were calling a game on Thursday night, kind of teasing this podcast for our listeners who were tuning in that night. But um, when you lo- watch the two of them speak, so many times in sports, I feel like, as you mentioned, there's the legend and there's the protege, and organizations almost try to manufacture something that maybe looks like it's there on the surface, but behind closed doors, it's more of a kind of a casual relationship. But this was like a father-son deal, watching these two sitting next to each other, because I felt like when Paul Coffey was talking to Chris Letang, and I, it was like listening to a father give a son advice about, hey, you need to do this, trust yourself, be yourself, type of stuff you wouldn't necessarily hear from a passerby. You could see the relationship was certainly there, and as you mentioned, I mean, the effort that Letang put forth in Toronto was, I think, definitely inspired by Paul Coffey. That was his most complete game of the year, and he's been pretty good this season. I mean, we're only six oh, yeah. games, seven games in, but he's he's been pretty good this season as far as his overall effort, and I think that was his best. That was obviously the Penguins' best, but it goes to show again, as Latang goes, sometimes go the Penguins in, in a lot of ways. And when you have a guy that's one of your heroes motivating you from afar and then in person that night, it definitely uh, went a long way. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, Paul Coffey didn't end it with, like, go get him, sport. You know, <laughs> yeah. The old father-son Pat on the back. But, yeah, but it, it, funny, you, you know, you say the, the leader-protege, and the reason I brought that up earlier is because Chris Latang and you talked about the mutual respect and the just genuine affection they have for each other. So we obviously got photos with all of us together, and, and Chris got one with him and just Paul alone, and, and obviously he wanted the photo. So we sent him the photo over, and he posted on his Instagram feed, and he literally put the hashtag legend and the protege. So it was just like, you know, that's where I kind of got that line. It was really from him, although he did he couldn't quite figure out what the word protege was in, in English, so I had to help him there. And then eventually he's, like, typing in, and he just handed me the phone. He's like, here, just type it. So I typed out protege, and he's like, all right, gave it back to him. He hit send. But, you know, it, that's what I mean. Like, I, I got that line from him, and that's how he looks at Paul Coffey. He looks at him as a legend. He looks at himself as the protege to Paul Coffey, as the guy following in the footsteps, taking that advice, kind of being reared up, you know, in, in the same demeanor. And so, yeah, it is a genuine affection between the two of them. Like I said, you know, sometimes these guys, you can fake it at times, but you can always tell when it's fake and you can tell when it's real. And you can certainly tell between the two of them that it's certainly real. No question. And then obviously, uh, the, as we mentioned, the effort Latang had, the impact coffee's had on him, all real from the two of them. So after that win, Penguins then go up to Banff. I don't know about you, but that was the first time I'd ever been in Banff, Alberta. Same, uh, yeah, first time. Last year was actually the first time I've ever been in Alberta, period. So <laughs> I'm checking a lot off the list. But going up to Banff, uh, and I have to say for anyone listening that's maybe thinking about it, go. It's as beautiful as people have said. Uh, definitely unbelievable scenery with the Colorado Rock or Canadian Rockies, I should say, all around. Uh, really basically circling you in that landscape up there. and. We got some pretty good weather as well to do some activities. Yeah, it, and it is at it is as advertised, and you know, going up actually. <laughs> so it's October now, and when basically everybody that was there told us in September there was nothing but snow, and even Calgary got two feet of snow right. dumped on them. So the weather kind of warmed. I think it warmed for the Penguins' arrival. You know, get a nice little welcome. After what the, we had last year, it better warm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very bitter cold last year when we came on this trip, but yeah, it was it was a beautiful experience, and you know, I think. The coaching staff kind of looked at this few days break between Toronto and, you know, there was four days between the Toronto game and the Edmonton game. So, I mean, they could have gone back to Pittsburgh, could have did whatever. But, you know, it's early in the season, so a month in, and it's those early road trips that really form those bonds. Usually usually they're more in, like, November and such. You get the Western Canada trip or the, you know, the 
California trip, and those are when those seeds are sown, you know, the, the team bonds. Because when you're at home, you, you've got family, you've got kids, you've got friends, you've got acquaintances, you've got a lot going on, you, you're repairing the house, whatever it might be. Sure. There's a lot of distractions when you're at home, but when you're on the road, there's nothing but you and the guys. It's, it's you and the team. So the guys go out for dinners together. They play video games together, do a ton of stuff together. So getting them into a setting like Banff where it's a little bit off the grid. So, you know, they're all together and they're doing things together and hanging out together. And it builds those bonds. And even Mike Sullivan said every championship team or good team he's ever been a part of or seen and throughout his career, you know, it all comes down to having those strong bonds. And when you have those strong bonds, you play hard for each other. And that's the makings of it. And little trips like this to Banff, those are the things that where you form those bonds. And it certainly was was beautiful. I know a bunch of the guys went up to uh, it was a Mount Sulphur. Mount Sulphur. Yeah, they yeah. took the gondola up the Mount Sulphur and took a big group picture together. I think there was like fifteen or so guys. You know, obviously all the social media posts with Evgeny Malkin and <laughs> and uh, Carl Hagelin, Derek Broussard, all those guys putting it up. And and again, just doing those things together. It's a small, simple thing, but doing it together. Fills those bonds, you know, even out back, there's a golf course and a little trail and Crystal Tang and Sidney Crosby were walking on the trail and a little deer came by and Sidney Crosby was trying to feed the deer with, you know, some of the food that was lying around. Just, just, it's a different environment. Obviously it's not a big city, right? It's nothing crazy, it's country. but yeah, it's, it's literally the country You're in the middle of mountains and surrounded by rivers and lakes and, and trees and everything. So very, very beautiful setting, and, and like I said, it's those simple things. You know, you know, Sidney Crosby and Crystal Tang out going for a little hike. Right. You know, th- those are the cool things that they got to do on that trip together as a team, and and it will pay dividends, I think, in the long run of really bringing this team together. And they had the two on ice sessions there. Also, we traveled after the second one, but on the Sunday that we were there, which was a football Sunday, early wake up for all of us to watch the action back in the <laughs> states, uh, but. They had these two skates at this Fenlands Recreation Center, which was really cool. Kind of had that log cabin type of feel of a hockey rink. The vaulted ceilings with the wooden panels kind of layering them. But a newer look to it as well. And I thought it was really interesting with the youth hockey tournament and youth hockey players that were going on and playing in the time that we were there. There were 150 tickets given out to the kids for the first practice that we were there. And... It was like you opened the doors to a Beatles concert before the Penguins got on the ice for the first skate there as these kids just in all their jerseys came flying down, jumping up in the stands to try to get an angle on the Penguins. I thought that was really cool to see when you go to a place that, I mean, let's be honest, it's Calgary Flames country, it's Edmonton Oilers country, but the chance to see a Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, a, a Matt Murray Phil Kessel, Chris Letang. I mean, obviously with the Penguins, you got a long list, but yeah. you could, the list goes on and on. Yeah, but I, it was obvious that those kids were really excited and banging on the glass and chanting for the Penguins and everything. And I think that was probably kind of a cool experience for the players as well to have that happen, not at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex, but in Banff, Alberta. Yeah, and right outside where they were walking once they got off the bus, there was just five rows deep of people just crashed around the, the barriers and the barricades that were trying to get their autographs and trying to get the signs and... You know, you, you always know which player gets off the bus because the scream, sit, sit, sit. You know, all the kids trying to get Sidney Crosby to get the autograph for Gino. You know, shouting out their favorite players. And I was going to – and a huge shout-out, too, to the facility. Yeah. You know, the, the security that worked it kept everything good, you know, obviously nice and clean and neat. Kept the guys safe, got them in, got them out, and took care of a lot of – lot of you know, a lot of things that you don't think about operational-wise. And then, yeah, having the 150 kids and fans come in and watch the practice and – just keeping everything organized because you said it was was pretty much a mob 
of people. They couldn't let everybody in. Right. So they had to be, you know, very careful with what they did. And on top of that, the facility, like you said, not only did it look like they built it in a log cabin, but inside was just state of the art, everything from the training room to the equipment room to even the locker rooms. I mean, those locker rooms were nicer than some, some locker rooms in the NHL. I won't name names or name stadiums or buildings or rings, but I could, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to a few. We might be going to, yeah, we still have to go to a few. <laughs> but yeah, it was just a beautiful facility, beautiful setup. Like I said, it was all first class all the way, the way the, the town treated the penguins, the way the people working at the rink, you know, treated the penguins and nothing but kudos to them for a great job. And now you hope for the Penguins that this kind of a trip translates with on-ice results. As we mentioned, it started with a big win in Toronto. Then the trek through Western Canada. You come home for a home-and-home with the New York Islanders, and then you're rolling into November. So the schedule's going to start to pick up here for the Penguins when it was really slow. But it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of plays out here over, I guess, the next well, the next four or five months of action. But in the near term, the kind of next month of action to see if this does have an effect on the Penguins and maybe jump starts them to a kind of surge here up the standings. Yeah, it's hard to believe that these three or four weeks into the season, the Penguins have only played six games. It's, <laughs> it's been an odd start to the season. where Especially after last year. Yeah. It's, I mean, they played two games, had a four-day break, played two games, had a four-day break, and played two. And now they've got a long, another four-day break. Like, how many four-day breaks can you cram into a month? You know, and you look at these other teams that played 10, 11, 12 games, the Penguins have played six. Yeah. So, Hopefully, uh, it's going to pick up. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't, you know, you'd like to get those breaks later in the season when you're a little banged up, but it did give them some chances to practice, to work on some things. So hopefully, like you said, it will pay dividends in the near future. Well, we're looking forward to paying more dividends as far as results in the episodes of the Scoop podcast in the near future. That didn't really make sense, but I tried. Uh, You know, you get an A for effort. All right. Thanks, Seth. All right. Well, we will talk to you on our next episode of the Scoop Podcast. That's two weeks away, so stay tuned for that. Michelle Crecciolo, Sam Kassan, myself will all be there, and we look forward to talking to you then. Again, you can like us on iTunes, SoundCloud, give us five stars, download us, and we appreciate everyone out there who tunes into each and every episode on the Scoop Podcast. For Sam Kassan, I'm Josh Getzoff, and this has been the Scoop Podcast presented by Point Park University.